Welcome to Video Store. My name is Sam Mulberry. Today we are talking about the 2005 film La Moustache. So let's step into Baird Fisher's Video Store. Baird, how you doing? Doing great, Sam. Thanks. No mustache. Yes. Uh, I, um, one of the interviews that I, I read with the with the uh, writer and director of this film, he was asked if he has ever had a mustache, and he said, <laughs> "No." Have you? Uh, yes. Uh, oh, okay. I, I have uh, a couple of different times. If I, the mustache was part of the beard, I, I, okay. never, I never did a mustache by itself. Do you feel like a different identity when you have facial? I, I'm somebody who's almost incapable of growing facial hair, so. Yeah, my facial hair was not impressive. Um, it got better each time I tried. I think I did it about three times. Um, it just never felt like me. Mm-hmm. I guess that. Yeah. So if you talk about identity, it just it, it just doesn't didn't feel quite right. That 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, let's just jump into this movie. What is your history with this film? Is this something you were aware of when it came out? Is this something you saw then, or something you saw much later? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it later. I saw it on video. I don't remember what got my attention. My my, my main memory of it is um, my mother, who is who is not a fan of uh, confusing films. I think I may have mentioned when we talked about Memento that I saw Memento with her. Um, she was visiting, uh, gosh, this must have been maybe not long after the movie came out, but it was on video. And I told her I was going to be watching this foreign film. And she said, well, I'll watch it with you. And I said, um, I don't think you're going to enjoy it, Mom. Um, and she did. And she didn't. Um, so <laughs> that's mainly my memory of watching it with my mother, thinking this is completely uh, baffling to her. And yet, for some reason, she wanted to sit next to me while I watched it. <laughs> So do do you remember what you knew about the film before you started it? No, I don't actually. Um, I don't remember what I knew and I don't even remember why it was, you know, what it was that tipped me off to it. Probably just reading a New York Times review. Sure. Yeah. So I have to say for me... With this movie, often with movies, I like to tell people, like, know nothing going into it. This one is almost better if you know just a little bit. Mm. And the just a little bit is just the premise. So I think I talked about this um, with a movie we watched earlier. I, I, as I pulled this up on, on uh, Amazon, because <clears throat> it is on Prime, I saw the description. And thankfully, again, the person who wrote the description did not explain the tone of this movie. They only explained the premise that a man shaves his mustache and his wife doesn't recognize that he did it or something like that, which to me was like, okay, that's a comedy premise, right? Like, like I just thought that is obviously going to be the tone of this movie. And it was so great to watch and realize, oh my goodness, this is not going to be a movie that that is going to have a lot of fun with this premise or at least not fun in the uh in the comedy sense of the of the term fun so i feel like that's sort of the perfect way to step into this movie right it uh it's another one of those movies that in that respect we talked about this last week as well kind of disorients you in the same way that the characters some of the characters are disoriented yeah i mean it 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 almost feels like um a writing exercise or like a film school project. Cause I could imagine you uh, sitting in a, with in a room of writers or a room of filmmakers and just saying, okay, here's the opening of your film. <laughs> a man shaves his mustache and his mm-hmm. wife doesn't recognize that he did because you could take that in a thousand different ways. Um, you know, it, I was running through my head this morning of like, okay, if I took that, if I had that premise, what did I think it was going to be? The first thing that comes to mind is that sounds like a, 
um, kind of mediocre mid nineties, Jim Carrey movie. Like I could see that as like, okay, well that's the launching off point. It could also be, uh, you know, something like a born identity style movie where he realizes when he shaves his mustache, he actually becomes somebody else. Like there's lots of directions you could go. I wasn't prepared for the direction that this chose to go. I was trying to think about how I would describe this and I don't know enough about filmmakers. So tell me if this sentence sounds stupid because it probably does. But I was thinking this feels like a Louis Boonwell movie if it was made by a pre-Batman Christopher Nolan. Like it looks like it looks like early Nolan a little bit to me in certain mm-hmm. ways, but it reminds me of like the exterminating angel where this like one weird impossible thing happens and then it just spins the movie out into these strange directions. So that that that's my one sentence um, first impression of this movie. I don't think that's a bad one, Sam. I guess I, I would add, and you may have seen this in some of the reviews, I would add there's elements of, of an Alain Rene movie, like last year, uh, uh, Bog, um, and maybe uh, Marguerite de Ross, uh, because, you know, one of the things that people need to be prepared for, or maybe not, is it's a mystery. Uh, that's an, and so I think it's an insoluble mystery. Uh, and in that respect, it's a lot like uh, like last year, Marion Bod or Hiroshima Manamore. So I would also say the movie's kind of in that tradition as well. But I can certainly see uh, Bunuel or or Salvador Dali having fun with this premise as well, especially the mustache and Dali, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So I have to say, I have to um, maybe confess something about my personal history or my personality as it plays into this this uh, this film. Um, this is a broken part of my personality. I have a, I have a little like oppositional thing in me that like, if you, I won't say you, I have a, my, my college roommate, one of my best friends is somebody who was prone to kind of doing mildly wild things to try to get a reaction out of people. Mm. And my personality is to never acknowledge that the thing happened. So like if he came in one day and had shaved all of his body hair, I would have a three hour conversation with him and mm. never mention it. So mm. when I saw this movie, I thought, Oh my goodness, I am. So, um, I, I am the type of person who would frustrate Mark because he might think you're really, you're, you're playing a joke on me. Please acknowledge this. And I just wouldn't do it. Now, if they, obviously, if they asked about it, I wouldn't pretend like it didn't happen, but it's when, when um, Agnes is not saying anything and Mark keeps being like trying to get her to say something. I am very much like Agnes in that way. So I feel like I need to say that as we start this movie. Well, that's good. I think we, I think we need somebody who kind of stands up for Agnes's point of view because um, that particular performance is actually a very difficult performance. And I think she pulls it off beautifully. And so I think sometimes people aren't quite attuned to the, the changing moods that she needs to be able to navigate as well. Yeah, as it was interesting, as I was reading about this, there were lots of... Um, people writing about Vincent Linden's performance in this, but um, Emmanuel Devos sometimes gets mentioned and sometimes totally doesn't get mentioned at all. And I actually think she, she plays such a crucial role in, you know, because this is a movie where as you go through it and we'll talk about this, there is this sort of shifting nature of like, clearly by definition, somebody has to be breaking right. Mentally or going crazy or something. But the movie really makes it difficult to know throughout it. And it shifts your perspective in terms of who you think is the one who is having the break. Um, and I think that is kind of masterfully done in the storytelling. And we'll, we can kind of walk through that arc in, in a little bit. Yeah. 
yeah, it really is. It really is a two-hander in, in, in that sense. And you're right, the way they play off against each other. I think, you know, one of those scenes that grabbed my attention in that respect was when they were in the restaurant and she's smoking. And I thought it was really ambiguous as to whether she was smoking because she was relieving pressure or tension, which she says. But also it seemed to me it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a antagonistic act against him as well. So mm -hmm. she has some interesting agency there. And so I think she kind of keeps shifting. And I think she's a very different character at the end, uh, as we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I, I wrote down uh, sort of about that kind of date that they go on in the middle of the day when they don't know what to do when he comes home from work. Yeah. You know, and first they go and they, they go shopping for a jacket and she picks a coat that is... It's like, like to my mind is objectively ridiculous to put yes. him in and he looks yes. ridiculous in it. And he says, I look like a clown. And she yes. says, I like it. Right. Then they go to the restaurant and I went back and rewatched this. And it's interesting because they're looking at the menu and clearly this is a restaurant they've been to many times because they're talking about how something's not on the menu. And yes. then they realize it's, it's entirely changed, yes. which is interesting to think about in this movie. It's that's sort of what the movie is. It's like, like something has dramatically changed and they're trying to figure out how they deal with it. Right. Then she starts, the, she starts smoking. And I, and I thought about like the, the whole um, thing in away from her of like, is she punishing me? Is mm -hmm. like, is this, is this a punishment? Right. Then there is this very odd. Um, uh, once they start eating, uh, he asks her if the food is good. And well, actually, no, two, two things that happen when she asks for the cigarettes first, she says lights, and then she stops herself and says, no, not lights. So there's this thing where she's, it's like, she's trying to navigate. What is it I'm supposed to say? And then she even says to him, you know, we did everything right today. Uh, we bought you a jacket. You hate it. I don't, you'll never wear it. That's what couples do. And there's this <laughs> sense that like, she's trying to navigate this situation. And it's like, if we just act like what we perceive to be normal, will, will we click back into normal or mm -hmm. something? And it doesn't even, it's not even like she's trying to act like the couple they are. She's trying to act like in quotes, a couple. Right. Right. And, 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 that, and, that's, and that's one of the things I really, I really love about the film because you can see, it helps you see what's happening from both points of view. So if you have ever been in a situation and I have, where a very close family member is experiencing mental illness and is not acknowledging that something is happening to that person. It's extremely disconcerting for the other people around. And, 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 and actually some of the same tactics get tried. You say, okay, so let's just kind of, let's, let's do what we think is normal with this person and see if this person sort of becomes normal again or we become normal again. So I, I, think it, I think it's a really interesting um, insight into how what's happening to Mark affects her. And as you said, how, the attempt they, she, she makes mainly to kind of make things right again. Right. And then she, when he asks her about if the food is good, she says it is. And then she says, no, it's not. It oh. tastes odd. And then she says, I feel like I'm colorblind or I'm dyslexic. Like I am now unable to take in information. And this is one of those moments where you start to think like, Oh, is she the one having the break? Because, because I, I think one of the fascinating things, and it's a, it is a narrative storytelling choice that the, that the director didn't have to make is that imagine if this movie had, instead of beginning with Mark in the tub, we see him with a mustache and they have the conversation about shaving it. Imagine if this movie began as Mark was 
finishing shaving. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know what he was shaving. And then everything else played out the same way because you wouldn't have seen the mustache at the beginning. You would have to sort of ch- choose who, who is the person, you know, like, like, like there, there, it roots you by seeing the mustache at the beginning. You're it's telling you this person is sane. <laughs> We saw the mustache. We saw a, a long scene of him clipping it and shaving it. Like we, it is, we are rooted in that mustache before we're rooted in anything else. And then the movie starts to question it. Um, and I really think that that helps with that sort of, again, arc of like, it seems like it wants to put you on the side of Mark. And in fact, the, the director, uh, Carrere, says that he, the reason, did you, I don't know if you read this, but the reason he cast, um, the reason he cast uh, Vincent Linden, he says it's, it, 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 he's a good actor, but it's not because he's a good actor. It's because if you look at him, he looks like a sane person. He says there's nothing about him that looks crazy. He looks like he's rooted in the earth because you have to see him at the beginning of the film and say there is nothing about this person that seems, you know, seems off. He seems like a he seems like a deeply sane person um, because then it allows the rest of this to kind of play out. Well, uh, you have more confidence in that opening scene than I do, Sam. Um, I, I, I am not sure that I know what anchors this film. Um, and, I, and I think that the, the fact that we're seeing him clip the mustache at the beginning tells us that we are very much seeing the, uh, the events from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't give me confidence that there actually was a mustache um, or there wasn't a mustache. Oh, no, I'm not. To, to be fair, I'm not saying that I think there necessarily was. I'm saying the film is really trying to establish that there was, and then it's quite exactly. But yeah. but but when the movie starts, you don't think I am in this person's mind. You think I am used to seeing film. I am seeing a thing happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, it okay. happened. Um, so, like I said, like if we didn't see that the first time, she says, "You never had a mustache." We would be forced to think, like, okay, mm-hmm. what, like. like is, is we would be put into a different situation. The fact that it tells us at the beginning that he does, and then it says, or did he, mm-hmm. I think that that's a different choice. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I think about what is real <laughs> in this movie, but I do think it is really important that we go through that scene right. of him really trying to say, see, it's there. Right. Right. But then as it goes on, you, you have to keep wondering about that. I also want to go back to, um, or I, want to, I want to continue with this notion of um, the relationship between the couple, uh, because one of the ways, and this is a film which is about marriage and it's about intimacy in a number of different ways, right? And one of the ways in which I think it's, it's profoundly uh, investigation of marriage is that it is true in any relationship, especially a marital relationship, that our well-being in many respects is, is affected by the other person's well-being. Right. And I think that that's one of the things the film is saying at, at an extreme level. You know, so Agnes is affected by by Mark, uh, whether or not she's losing her grip on reality or she's simply being completely disoriented. And that's the way that is the way marriage works. Right. The well-being of one couple, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever, has at least it's supposed to have an effect on, on the other person. At the same time, the film seems to suggest that despite despite that intimacy, despite that kind of synergy in, in a relationship, we still live in different worlds. We still live inside our own heads. We still live inside our own realities. So, so their realities have become un, uh, uncoupled uh, mm-hmm. and they can't quite get them back uh, together. Again. 
that's a that that's really interesting to think about. I think about um, uh, the whole idea that every time you um, every time you leave somebody that you like, let's say your spouse to go to work for the day, you sort of forget that their life keeps playing on too. So even if we don't ever think about like you know breaks in reality, there is this sense that we're like we're constantly changing and reuniting and and come and and breaking apart and reuniting. So there is this sense of needing to relearn the person too. And, and, you know, and, you know, of course, you know, one of the, one of the tropes of the film um, uses about a little, little less than halfway through it maybe is they make love. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, 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 it's in a way it's kind of make up sex, uh, but it's kind of like, you know, the, the most intimate way you can reaffirm your bond. Um, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they come together, but they're not, they're, they're still not able to, to uh, see things in the same light. Um, to, to, one other early thing that I want to mention that I think is really important is the radiator story. Yes. Um, so, so they go to, to meet with their friends, uh, Serge and Nadia and Serge tells this story about Agnes and about how stubborn she is and how to her death, she will never admit, even though it is so clear, it has to be this way because that, that sets her up to be potentially unreliable in terms of what she says is certainly true that she is somebody who also, you know, whether it's creates her own mythology about what happens or what's real. Like, like I, I like that little story. Um, and when you first encounter it, I don't, I didn't think much of it, but then it, I kept thinking about that story as we went through to say, well, it's, the, it's kind of one of the first things we learn. We, we sort of learn about her very but, but, early but, on. But then retrospectively, when we learn later on that Serge and Nadia, Nadia may not exist, um, well, then, is this an episode in Mark's head that he's kind of created this whole narrative in order to explain to himself why it is that she's not responding to, 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 the, to the lack of the mustache? Yes, yes. Um, so so as, as we think about this, so I kind of wrote, wrote some notes here in terms of how I see the arc back and forth of like, who is the person? <laughs> like, 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 where does the, the sort of sanity seem to rest or who's the person having the break? So as I said, we start with Mark's point of view so it, it's like trying to tell you at first this is mark's story and and it again the the language of film tells you you can trust what you see and then you realize well maybe you can't um but the interesting thing is 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 as mark kind of expands out in his world it seems like there's sort of too many people who are pointing to the like it's not just agnes and it's not just Serge and Nadia, but it's like even the people at work don't do it, right? So there's this sense of like, okay, there is this larger break as his world expands. But then we get that scene where he's taking his ID photo and he's with the the, the police officers there and he shows her the two photos and she's like, well, yeah, you have a mustache. And that 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 moment, like I got really worried at that moment because I thought, oh, I thought I knew where we were headed. And now it's like, wait, this other person is seeing what he sees and so i'm like well maybe mark actually is and it is you know like so i I love the way that that sort of um swung around and then we get the phone messages right Mm -hmm. and we we hear a phone message from mark's father right and then agnes tells him his father died uh a year a year and a half ago and then she says surgeon nadia don't exist and you know and then and then it sort of seems like mark is sort of goes off the deep end at that point um, but then there's the conversation he overhears with uh, Agnes and Bruno, and it seems very like 
maybe there is a conspiracy to sort of get rid of him and get him off to an institution. So you're like, well, I, you know, like, like if, as again, as you start to fall into the, the, the sort of um, twists and turns of the movie, you start to think, well, maybe, and then he gets in, he escapes and gets into the cab and then his mother's house doesn't exist. So it's like, well, maybe, you know, so I, I just, I like that back and forth um, in terms of like trying to figure out, like, I feel like, like what's great about this movie is it's so unsettling because if you put your flag on either side, you feel like the, the ground is really, um, really shifting. You can't, you know, even if you're like team Mark sanity or team Agnes sanity, you don't feel good about it. Yes. And I think the, there's one key element that you didn't touch on, Sam, and that is the pictures of the vacation in Bali. Mm, yes. And it, it's interesting because, you know, he takes them out, puts them on the table, never, never says to her, you know, look at these pictures, right? And they just kind of sit there. And then ultimately they disappear. He hasn't shown them to her. He asks her where they are. She feigns or is truly confused. It doesn't appear they've ever been in Bali. Um, so I think, I think the, the objective existence of, so it's interesting to me because those pictures contrast with the picture he shows the young, the young woman. Because obviously, yes, he has a mustache. That's, that seems objectively established. And yet, whether they were ever in Bali or whether he had a mustache in Bali or whether the scenes at the end are in Bali, um, none of that is is, is clear. So, you know, I don't know what it's like to have um, a complete break from reality. I don't know. You know, I don't know where your head goes during that, but but maybe that's what it's like. You know, maybe it's like you're in the world, but you're in a different world than the world everybody else is in. Right. And 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 it, 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 it leads you to start to wonder about everything then. Yes. and it's like okay and 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 that what what i like about the movie is it takes its time getting to i now i wonder about everything for a long time it feels like this is just this little magical realism thing about a mustache mm-hmm. and everything else seems solid yes. and then all of a sudden it takes a while that's why when she says your father's dead and surgeon nadia i don't know who those people are that's the moment where it's like everything drops because even though she's pointed to two things, you realize now I don't know about anything up until that point. You're thinking maybe it is just this magic mustache, (laughs) but then, but then it, but then it's like, this is the collapse of potential everything. And that's, you know, and then we get this, this uh, flight to Hong Kong. Um, (laughs) So, so I'm sort of interested about your thoughts about this section of the movie, because the movie becomes very different because now we have Mark, really ripped apart from his world, right? We, we no longer have uh, for a long time, Agnes in the movie. We don't have people at work. We don't have any of that stuff. And he goes to this, the literally the other side of the world where he doesn't know anyone. So, so what's your thoughts about that sort of narratively that shift in the film? Well, I, I, a couple of things about it. Um, you know, one in terms of, you asked about narrative, I'm, narrative, I'm going to say something first about imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is full of water imagery uh, from, from the, op- the opening shots of these, this kind of, and it's a recurring shot. It comes up on, on two or three more times. It's just kind of this rippling water and there's kind of a suggestion of a boat. Uh, and then you get Mark in the bath, of course, the shaving. Um, and then you get, I mean, it's like a apocalyptic deluge, you know, mm-hmm. when he's, when he's in, right, runs out to the taxi. And then of course he spends that section of the movie on a ferry 
going going back and back and forth. So I think there's something about water as a symbol or an image of changeability, instability. And so the the, the middle section to me, uh, first of all, it, it expresses that notion of Mark being kind of caught in this limbo as he kind of you know gets on the ferry and gets back on the ferry and gets on the ferry and gets back on the ferry. So first of all, it's the depiction of, of, of that limbo state, but also it's the part of the film where I really wonder um, I, I don't want to push this argument too far because every, every film you have to kind of give it a premise, right? Mm-hmm. But the plausibility of him doing this is so, it seems so strange to me that I really wonder how much of that is actually happening. You know, I mean, yes, he, he you know, he, he gets on the plane. Um, he, he doesn't even have a passport evidently. So oh, he, 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 cause he went back to get his passport. I guess, sorry, he does have his yeah. passport and I guess we're supposed to assume he's got a credit card. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to push this too far, Sam, mm-hmm. but, I, but it, to me, it's, it's kind of the part of the film where I'm, I'm really not sure what is that, what is objectively happening. You know, sure. is it, is it a metaphor for Mark just kind of going truly deep, di- deeply off the, off, off the deep end and into la la land. But then of course you have the problem of the potentially objective existence of the postcard that he writes in ever since and puts in the jacket. And then that darn jacket, right? There's that darn jacket again. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, so it, it's, it's a narrative bridge, but I think to me, it, it introduces a lot of um, instability or a lot of questions. Right. I do love that. She says, you'll never wear it. And then he wears it for the remainder of the movie. <laughs> yes. And, 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 then, and then at the end, right. She says, what an, what an awful ugly jacket. Right. 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 So, so uh, if we think about, if we just accept um, whether the reality is real or in Mark's head, he is in that reality, making this choice to keep going back and forth on the ferry. Cause he actually goes to the airport to go back to France yes goes through security and then then goes back and then starts taking these ferry rides back and forth. What do you think his motivation is for staying in Asia um, and for repeatedly just like, I mean, it is get off the ferry, get back on it and Mm -hmm. just go back and forth. Uh, And we clearly have him learning the customs of the seats, Yes, you know, and like how the seats swing. Cause at first he like, I think the, (laughs) <laughs> at least I, I think those girls are laughing at him because he's facing the wrong direction. Yes, is that, yes. Yeah. And then yeah. he learns it. And then he eventually he's like doing it for other people. Right. Um, uh, what, what do you think his motivation is? He trying to create some sort of stable reality there? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think he, I think he's trying to figure out an identity because he can't go back. Yeah. I think he can't go back to France because he doesn't even know who he is in France anymore. So, yeah. And so he is literally in um, he's literally in a limbo state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I guess actually, as you point that out, Sam, you could argue that the film does have a nice three points, three part structure. Right. You've got the crisis in France, the transition in Hong Kong. And then at the end where he sort of try, he sort of has this new identity and then he goes back into being Mark with Agnes. But maybe Mark and Agnes in, on different on different terms right now that he's. Now that he shaved the mustache, and that's the way things are. So there, anyway, there, so yeah. I think in that middle part, he is. He's trying to figure out an identity. So he's lit- literally, he's literally in transition. There is one other thing that happens during this, which is not. I I can no way be the filmmaker's intent because he didn't make it. Assuming someone like me watching it, <laughs> but I mean the whole movie's in French, and I'm reading the subtitles. And then when he gets to to Hong Kong, 
because it's Hong Kong, they start speaking English. And it's funny because I realized very late in, it's like, I've stopped reading. I'm just, I'm just listening now. And I had this moment where I thought, did I learn French? Like, how, how is it that I'm not reading? And then I realized, oh, he's speaking English. It, like, it just sort of happened because I, you know, because when you read subtitles, you're still hearing the voice. So like, yes. I can convert what I'm reading into that voice. And there was this magic moment where I was just like, I understand what he's saying. And, I, and then I realized, oh, wait, that's, that makes sense, actually. But, but I was, I was like, um, uns, uns destabilized for a moment as I was realizing I had stopped reading, but I hadn't missed any of the movie. So again, not the filmmaker's intent, but it, but it actually worked really well in this moment. Um, so then when Agnes reappears, um, I mean, is your sense that she reappears in this reality at the moment that he has sort of restabilized a sense of reality because because it does seem like he isn't just visiting there anymore it feels like he has sort of a, he knows people as he's walking around there is this this sense of like the um maybe the moment that he sort of grows into a comfort in that reality is when she when he goes to the hotel and she's already in the hotel room and we and we sort of we get this return to her or do you have other thoughts on on the final sort of scenes of this film yeah, that's a good question, Sam. And, and it's, what happens to him seems to me so, in a sense, kind of arbitrary. So I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure, in a sense, why she disappears and why she reappears. Um, he doesn't seem particularly ready for her when she reappears, because, as you said, it's, it's like he's kind of established a new reality. And, we, and he's obviously been there long enough that he's grown the mustache and the beard back. So it's been some weeks. Um, but now we're back in the, the Bali vacation, maybe. So, so then you wonder, you know, was, was everything that happened in France, was that all kind of his, uh, a fantasy when he was in Bali or a mm -hmm. breakdown? I, I, I don't know that there's um, any good reason that I can tell for her to reappear at that point. I'm open to suggestions. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Okay. So the, the other thing that's, that's interesting about the end is sort of the, um, kind of narrative with the postcard. So he writes the postcard wow. in Hong Kong and doesn't send it and carries it with him. And then there is this conscious choice that he makes to toss it into the sea, right? This is another water shot, right? Um, so is throwing that away? Um, I was trying to think to myself, like, okay, what is, what is the meaning of that? Is that sort of him actively embracing, like, this is what life is? And, and because there, there's earlier in the film, there is, I mean, one of one of the the tensions that comes up in the marriage is not only does she not um, recognize that he shaved his mustache, but he can't let it go. Mm. Right. Like like he keeps bringing oh, yeah. it up. And is this the moment where he's like, well, I could in she's here now. I could bring something up again about everything we've just been through. Or I could throw that away and just be like, this is the now and we're going to embrace the now kind of embracing, you know, maybe that, that these stories can be absurd, that, that life around us can be absurd, but, but I'm going to embrace this moment and, and actually let go of this other thing. Yeah. And, and I think kind of part of that too is um, in the same way that maybe there's a part of him that didn't want to show her the pictures earlier. 
maybe there's a part of me I don't want to show her the postcard because I don't want to get into that conversation about, you know, what do you mean you were, wrote me this postcard from, from Hong Kong? You were never in Hong Kong, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a sense that he doesn't want, he doesn't want to deal with how she looks at whatever reality that, that might represent. Um, so, uh, and, and we've talked a lot about this, but I'm just going to ask you this, this question um, plainly. What would you say this movie's about? Well, one of the things I like about this movie is I think it's about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's one. I mean, I, I've got a kind of a, of a list. I mean, I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's raising questions about what is the basis of our identity? Um, what is the basis of what is the role of a shared history and memory? I mean, uh, how is this? And we already talked a little bit about this. How is it about spousal relationships? How is it about epistemology? Um, you know, Mark's insistence on, you know, I share the, the way that Mark explains everything that happens to him on the basis of an assumption. It reminds me of the old joke of the guy who thinks that he's dead and his family cannot convince him that he's actually not dead. And so they take him to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says, so, so, so you think you're dead, right? Oh yeah, I'm dead. And the psychiatrist says, well, do dead men bleed? Oh no. He says, dead men don't bleed. So the psychiatrist pokes his finger and it bleeds. And the guy looks down and says, what do you know? Dead men do bleed. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that, that's, that's the way that to me, the film's about epistemology. Like Mark holds on to the idea. I had a mustache. I shaved it off. Nobody is noticing. Therefore, there is a conspiracy. Not therefore, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with, with me. Um, so anyway, I, so I didn't give you a simple answer because I don't think, I, I think fundamentally, most of the reviewers have looked at it as a movie about, about marital relationships. And I think that's a marital relationship. But I think it's really about identity, memory, uh, even, even our, our assumptions about reality. Absolutely. No. And I didn't ask that question looking for the oh, answer. I, I was just sort of, yeah. now because what's interesting is in the interview I read with uh, with the director, writer, director career, he he points to, you know, a lot to the kind of marital relationship stuff. He says the whole mustache business is a metaphor for what every marriage goes through. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take such a fantastic form, of course, but I don't but I do think all couples in all couples, there is the problem of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was what was sort of what he had to say about that. But I, but I agree. Like, I think there, I f- just find it interesting. Like um, at one level, like the actual issue that, it, that this sparks from is so kind of meaningless, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it, and that's why it had, that's why it feels like a comedy pres- uh, premise, right? Like, it's like, I did, I shaved my mustache and no, you know, but if we start to question <laughs> the things that we like, and then again, this is why I go back to us watching the mustache be shaved. So it establishes in the film language, visual language, this happened. If 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 we are called to question the, the things that seem most basic, then what else do we? And that's why I like how the movie starts to expand in terms of like, well, what is which things can we trust? So, so we can even talk about whether. Hong Kong happened or not, or whether France happened or not, you know, like, like, like it allows us to one small break in sort of our sense of reality is hard to, to let go of. And it, it ends up that, that, that little break ends up um, shattering into other things. And it makes you feel like, you know, what is our reality rooted in? So I, 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 I sort of like, like those questions um, a lot. Now I also love, um, 
and you mentioned this, you know, thinking about how you paired this movie with uh, Away From Her, mm-hmm. where Away From Her, the point of view character is is Grant, who is the person who is rooted in sort of the sense of um, uh, the reality of the world of sort of logic and memory and history and all of those things. And then you have Fiona for whom that's fading. This movie, uh, you know, Mark is our point of view character, but he's actually the one, as you pointed out, he's actually the one kind of having, having the break from those things um, or at least we're not sure, you know, about that, but, but it is interesting because it is both of these are a relationship. And that's why I think the Agnes character and that performance is so important. Um, and I think uh, Emmanuel Devos does just does such a great job of like eye acting, like her looking at him. Cause one of the things he's constantly telling her at the beginning, is like, look at me, look at me. And it's like, and it, this is a movie about her looking at him and, and trying to sort of figure out like, this is a person that I love. But at the same time, I'm trying to make sense out of out of this, and it means I'm trying to make sense out of this relationship. And I'm trying, yeah, and and you know, so 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 we switch which character we're kind of focusing in on. But I think it pairs nicely with away from. Her. Yeah, well, you know, a, a couple of different things I want to follow up on. One one is the connection to to away from her, um, because both of the films are kind of positing that part of our identity is in a shared history and a shared memory. And I think, you know, what's painful for Grant is that that shared history, except for some of the bad stuff, is kind of uh, slipping away from Fiona. I like the scene when uh, she says, you know, how long we lived in this cottage, you know, and it's like 20 years are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just painful for him. And then you have the opposite happen with Mark, right? He's holding on to these memories. He thinks he's got these memories uh, that Agnes no longer recognizes. And she's got memories like your father is dead that he doesn't recognize. And it makes me think at a, at a more trivial level of, you know, after 40 years of marriage, my wife and I have had a lot of experiences together. And it's sometimes disconcerting when, when I will say to her, well, you remember when we went to X and we did Y? And she's like, I have no memory of that. Or she'll say to me, you know, when, when we did this with so-and-so, and I'm like, really? Or when you did that, really? Now, what usually happens in that situation, and this is, I think, what uh, he's getting at with the idea of trust, what usually happens in that situation is I will say, or she will say, well, I don't remember it. But if you say that happened, then I must have. Whereas what's happened in this film, right, is you say that happened, you're, you're crazy. That, that, that can't possibly be the case. So I think that's one of the things that he's, he's breaking down. The other thing that I think he's thinking about is, you know, that question that once in a while we want to ask our spouse, maybe less and less the longer we're together, which is, why do you love me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this film seems to posit that, is it possible she loves him only because of his mustache? I mean, and, you know, she says, I don't, I don't know you without it. And so, you know, so when we think about the nature of love, nature of marital love, what is, is it conditional or what is conditional about it? And I think we've all played that game with our spouses. Like, you know, if I did this or if I didn't do this and would you not, would you not love me anymore? You know, if I became paralyzed or if I had an affair, you know, I mean, you think of various things, you know, what would break the bond of love? And the last thing in the world one would think would break the bond of love is shaving a mustache. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think, it's, you know, I think Queer is kind of examining that as well. Well, it's also possible to think about the endings of these two movies having a connection as well. There is, as I said, like the throwing away the postcard is maybe this sort of embrace of like <clears throat> the reality of this moment and like letting go of some of these things that are uh, clearly just going to keep causing tension. If you think about the end of Away From Her, there is this moment where when Fiona seems to be, you know, back to herself and Grant also knows that that's going to fade again, but there is this moment where they embrace and there is this sense of like, for this moment, we are going to embrace the reality of this moment, even though we are living kind of in an absurd world where everything is, a, is going to melt away again, but for this moment it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think there is, Again, they're very different movies, very different endings, but I think there is something, at least a potential read of this movie, and I think a fairly clear read of Away From Her's ending, you can you can see a connection between them. Yeah, but I also wonder about the last shot. I don't know if you mm-hmm. lingered over that, Sam, that you know, Mark opens his eyes, and he looks a little terrified. And I have not read the, the novel that the, the director you know, adapted his own novel, I've not read the novel on which the film is based, but I understand that the novel is darker at the end. That's but, what I've heard too. Yeah. yeah, but I think the way he opens his eyes and he looks a little um, <laughs> apprehensive, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think that the film is kind of having it both ways, sure. both suggesting, you know, we're back to reality, but it's, it's a little bit like the end of, uh, of, of um, uh, no one's film, the, the one with Leo DiCaprio and the Inception. Uh, Inception. It's kind of like the end of Inception, right? Um, maybe not quite as strong as that, but it's similar. I, I really think it's a, a bit of an ambiguous last, last shot. Um, well, I had, I had the exact same thought because if you are in this position, you can you can say I'm going to embrace the reality of now, and you can say I'm going to let go of the past, but the past is still there, and these experiences, like like it is probably outside of our human ability to just ignore those things, you know, unless you are a Fiona where it's not Mm -hmm. by choice, but by condition. Yeah. So there are other things you want to talk about with this film. Well, I just, I just want to come back again to how well this film captures the tensions of marriage life. Um, I've been married for 40 years and I still am in situations where Amy has to ask me if I haven't noticed something. Um, if she gets a haircut, um, she, she was wearing a shirt the other day, and I, I, I turned her. I said, "No, no." She was sitting up in bed reading, and she was wearing this this uh, this shirt. And I said, um, "Well, that's that's nice. Where did you get that?" She said, "I was wearing it all day." You know, and uh, anyway, so it just seems to me that this that the film is. It's interesting for a film that is so, in some ways, um, experimental. It's so rooted in uh, in, in reality. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to mention is we haven't talked a lot about um, the actual film technique, but I love, love, love the scene when Mark is lying in bed and the camera starts spinning, mm-hmm. and then it turns into the spinning dryer. Um, and I thought it was a perfect a perfect metaphor for the condition of his mind and his life. Everything is literally spinning out of control. Absolutely. Uh, so what do you have for us for next week? Well, I, I pondered the choice for a while, Sam, because I thought there were a couple of different ways that we, I, I thought of at least three different ways we could go. Um, but I've decided to go with maybe what's a safe choice. 
Um, and uh, go back to 1943's Gaslight. Because um, I think, you know, that's one film that this film's been compared to. Uh, and, you know, any excuse to watch Ingrid Bergman is fine with me. So uh, George Cukor directed uh, that film. Oh, fantastic. I'm very excited. That's a movie I've heard of, but, but, uh, but never seen. Uh, I loved this movie. This is, it's a, uh, a, a strange movie in lots of ways, a movie that, uh, plays with your expectations, especially if you don't know anything going into it. Um, so thank you so much for, uh, for recommending this. This is some, this is a movie that's going to stick with me, I think, cause I think there's, um, I think there's a lot to, to keep thinking about. And i uh, I also assume I'm going to keep having I'm going to keep having experiences in life where I'm going to say, "Wow, this feels like that movie." <laughs> it feels <laughs> like like La Mustache. So, so I, I think um, there's something very effective and sort of affecting about this movie, and uh, good art does that. So, I think that's uh, that speaks well of this um, of this film. Um, so, thank you for recommending it. That is all the time that we have, but we will be back next week to talk about Gaslight in the video store. <laughs> <laughs>